0: Here we go. You ready? Let me pray. I need to get my mind right. My dad used to say, you need an attitude adjustment. I think some of us in here need an attitude adjustment. Let's get our minds right, all right? So in Jesus' name right now, anything that is attacking our minds, anything that is distracting us, in Jesus' name, must flee this place. There's a freedom in this place, Satan, that you can't even touch. Satan, you have lost. We are victorious. And we're celebrating just because the music stopped doesn't mean that we've stopped celebrating. We're celebrating in this place this morning in Jesus name. And all of God's people said, amen. "Amen." That's old school, but I like doing that once in a while. Here is the prophetic. And it comes from a Paul's writing. This man by the name of Paul wrote this to a group of people in Philippians. Just happens to be my favorite book in the Bible. Today we're going to be looking at chapter 2. But this morning, to prophesy over you, it comes from the 6th verse. Being confident of this that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And the Lord, as I was preparing this week, took me to this very verse and said, there are some men and women in this room who are on the verge of quitting. You're getting ready to stop. You're getting ready to give up. You're getting ready to try to do something else. And the Lord wanted me to tell you, remind you of a promise that was written hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago. Don't stop. Don't give up. The attitude that you have right now is not what the father desires. God and his children, he did not create a bunch of quitters. You are victorious and you are going to see the fruit of what God is doing in your life. So don't stop and don't quit and do not think that you're a failure just because it hasn't turned out like you planned it. Let me read this again. God is going to bring everything to completion. Do you understand that? God has a plan and that plan is going to play in what we're going to talk about here in just a second. But God is going to bring to completion the good work that he has started in you. And my friends, you can take that to the bank, That's not a church service. That is not something coming from a preacher. That is from a promise from our father. He has started a good work in you. And my friends, he's going to bring it to completion. Amen? All right, here's how we're starting this morning. I told you a little bit of what we're talking about. I want to remind you of something that I said last Sunday. Last Sunday, I talked about our minds and the way we think. And I posed just three simple questions, so simple that you can remember them. I know that Pastor Andy and I were even talking about them this week and him and his worship team as they led on Thursday night practice, he even started talking about these. Three things, very simple. And I posed these questions. Why do you think the way that you think? Have you ever stopped to think about why you think the way you think? And the second one was, what is occupying the space of our minds. That's a big one. Like, if you ever do an inventory, if you ever stop long enough to do an inventory of what is occupying the space of your mind, I would almost like to stop the service here and just have open dialogue. R-rated, you name it. Get the kids over there in the kids' wing and let's get real. That scares some of you to death. I mean, ship the kids and even if you're an adult and you're just tender, ship you out. I don't know where you're going. (laughs) But it's 2017 and we got chaos all around us and the enemy is loving it. That's not what the father has planned. And a lot of the chaos is coming because we're trying to conceal everything that's going on in our lives. And what it is, it's like a cancer that's eating us apart. I mean, it's literally eating us apart. And so I'm going to just stop there and move to the next one. But I want to just say it one more time. What is occupying the space of your mind? If I hung out with you probably for 30 minutes, I can mind out. So what are you thinking about? Why do you think the way you do? And this is the third one. And I'm moving on to the fourth one. That's going to set the foundation of where we're going this morning. The third question I posed last week was like, who is actually influencing your thoughts? Who is it? Like, Who's speaking into your minds? I'm gonna share one of mine. So as we were singing this song this morning, our God reigns. The Lord just reminded me that he reigns over Charlottesville, Virginia. Come home with that. He reigns over them. And as I was thinking that, as the Lord was speaking, one of my intercessors who is in this very circle, who prays a lot with me, had a vision a couple of weeks ago, probably a month ago now. And he said, Scott, this is what I see happening in the spiritual realm right now. Is that you, Scott, are like the coach in the locker room. And you're not yelling and trying to pump up your your team. But there is literally an army of angels that are gathering around you. And all they are doing is just waiting for you to give them the next order. But he went into detail of what this picture looked like. He said, Scott, you were the coach in the locker room, but all of the angels that were around you were so massive and big that they had to kneel down to even hear your voice. He said, Scott, you have an army of angels around you and they're just waiting for you to ask them, to send them. And so as I was over here, I just said, God, would you just send the army of angels to Charlottesville, Virginia? In the name of Jesus, rain down over that community. And so our God reigns over Charlottesville, Virginia. And if he reigns over Charlottesville, Virginia, he also reigns over every aspect of your life. And this is for a teaching for another Sunday but I've told you many times over, over the last year, I think, that God has taken me into a place that I've never been before. My teaching, my, my hearing, the things that I believe last Sunday, I told you I'm questioning everything. And that is a phenomenal thing because it is the Holy Spirit who is leading me in this journey. And so, my thinking has been altered. And that is a beautiful thing because I am very careful who I listen to. I'm very careful of what occupies my mind. And I am starting to take inventory of why I think the way I think. And so then here today comes the fourth question. And it is a question that sounds something like this. Who or what, who slash what, who or what is setting the standard for your normal? Man, what a good question. And that's not arrogance when I say that. That is straight from the Holy Spirit. Who or what is setting the plumb line for normal? In your life. So you could almost phrase it like this. Says who? Who says that your bank account should have this amount of money in it? Who says? And for time's sake this morning, I'm going to fast forward way past that. But you fill in your own blank. Who says that you are to have this blank? Who is setting the standard for your normal? If I was speaking to a bunch of students in this room this morning, I would say, who says that you are to have a boyfriend when you're in high school? Since my daughter is in the Dominican Republic, maybe they'll listen to this later in the week. Who says you're supposed to have a boyfriend in high school? Not dad. I say you're not supposed to have a boyfriend until you're 85. When I'm dead and gone easy on me. I love the easy way out. I love the path of least resistance and I like getting my way. I'm just confident enough and loved under the grace of God enough to tell you that. If you ever sit in our office, we have some pretty come to Jesus moments. And I shared with them about three or four weeks ago, that very thing. Dang it. I like getting my way. Well, don't laugh or judge me because you do too. It's why we've gotten into this place. But the fourth question, where we're going to lay the foundation for the next 30 minutes, and you can look at the clock, that means we're going to be here till about 10 15 or so. Is who or what? Like, who or what? We got to figure this stuff out. Who or what is setting the standard of your normal? I believe that we, as Christ followers, those who are even pursuing knowing Jesus, we can think this way. You know why I know that we can think this way? Go back to what I said last week. This passage of scripture that has blown, should blow our minds. is There's not a person in here who is weak-minded. There is not a person in here who does not, if you love Jesus Christ, does not have the mind of Christ. Look at it, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16. It says, hey, you have the mind of Christ. And if that's true, that if I have the mind of Christ because of Jesus, what he did for me, newsflash, he also did it for you. And if I can have the mind of Christ through Jesus, that means that you can have the mind of Christ through Jesus as well. And if that is true, that then means that you and I, even though we may smell different, look different, sound different, have a different past, a different background, different way of coming up, you and I can think alike. But do we see that anywhere in our society? Seriously, do we see a large group of people, and I'm talking just Christians Look at the Baptist church, the Methodist church, the Wesleyan church, the Episcopalian church, the Presbyterian church. And that's about all the churches I know. But look at the different ways of thinking. But if we have the mind of Christ, should a brother and a sister, no matter what the background, we should think alike. But I don't see any evidence of that anywhere until today. And in this place. It begins now, my friends. We are going to think alike. Now, you may like pepperoni pizza tomorrow night. At what time at the packing party? Six o'clock. I'm going to go with a Hawaiian from Sir Pizza. I may bring my own. You can judge me, but my pizza will be better than yours. You may like chocolate ice cream. We're not having ice cream tomorrow night, are we? But that would be a good idea. And because I get what I want, I want ice cream tomorrow night. You may like chocolate ice cream. I may like vanilla ice cream. That's not the kind of thinking that I'm talking about. That is preference. I know some of you. I'm, I'm one of them. We have meetings every Monday afternoon. Man, the music was a little loud today, wasn't it? But it was good. I prefer it at 98 dBs. Well, the guys back there who are running it, they prefer it 148 million dBs, right? (laughs) But guess what? It's preference. And I love to hear my brother Andy lead, and I love to hear those songs. and It inspires me, and God speaks to me. It is preference, but we are like-minded. The goal of what this is is to usher other people, brothers and sisters, community, into loving Jesus together. That's what it's for. Even though I prefer a little Randy Travis here and there. I don't even know who Randy Travis is. That just first, I could have said it's Michael Jackson or somebody, but. You see, we gotta learn the difference between preference and the way we think. And so from this day forward, listen, I feel like this is a declaration, it is not an option. We can have different preferences, but it is not an option when it comes to the way that this movement of Jesus Christ thinks. So let me get to going real quick. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 2. It's the first chapter, second chapter, first verse. This isn't concrete today, guys. This is, this is not an option. This is not something that is up for debate. And the Lord has given me the okay sign. Scott, we're not, we're not sitting here trying to attract every human being on the planet to this church. If it was going to take a megachurch to change the world, wouldn't it have already been done by now? And I love Stephen Furtick. I love Perry Noble. I love, and Judith Smith is a friend of mine. I love those guys. And what they're doing is absolutely Amazing. I pray that tenfold comes upon them. Like Judah Smith is a dear friend who is at the top of his game and and he is one of a kind. And so I'm not knocking the mega church, but what I'm saying is if a large group get this thing really big, let's go get as many other campuses as we possibly can. If that was the answer, the world would already look different because in America today, there are more mega churches today than ever. And I almost feel guilty. I am not knocking large groups of Christians. But the answer lies right there within your seat. You are the change of your community. You have the power to change your community. We've just not had it released or championed because the way that we think has got to be not only hoping that my situation or circumstances change, but if we truly are going to think with the mind of Christ, we have to start thinking about our city, our community, and future generations. I want to see impact that is going to change 100 years from now. I had lunch down in Asheboro with an acquaintance of mine, an amazing thinker. And I like to surround myself with people who think different than I do because that stretches me. And I was sitting down there with him and, and he was talking to me about his church and his church is down in um, like the, the, the pottery capital of North Carolina, somewhere down there. I don't even know the name of the city. Seagrove, thank you. And he was telling me about his church and he was saying, you know, it's about 50, 60 people. And and I'm like, I was sitting there trying to put two and two together. I'm like, how does someone with your fervor and mindset lead a group of people? And he was telling me, you know, they're older and they just don't want to change. They don't want to do anything. But then he told me about his prison ministry. He told me about how he is the chaplain of the prison there in their county. And it was right there. The Lord said to me, Scott he has changed generations and i shared that with him i encouraged him with that word i said hey i said josh i said do you know that one prisoner that you have led and showed the love of jesus he's going to get out of prison and he is going to go change his generations of the future i said i would rather see that than 2500 hands raised on a sunday morning in church we have to start thinking with the mind of Christ that this is going to change not only our life, but for generations to come. And here's what Paul says. If you have any encouragement, I'm in the second chapter of the first verse. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ... Guys, I have to tell you something. You may have a different preference, but we are, like it or not, united with Christ. I am only going to fight you over probably a few things. I'm not going to fight you over many, but I'll fight you over a few. And it has to do with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. It has to do with his word, and it has to do with salvation through Jesus, eternity, and that's about all I'm probably going to fight you on. You see, it's all of these other things that the enemy has allowed to creep in to, yes, the Christian church that has caused disunity. And if we have the mind of Christ as a brother in Christ, as a sister in Christ, that means that we are unified. You see, disunity comes when I start wanting my preference over yours. And the Apostle Paul is writing to a group of Christians here. It says, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Holy Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded. He's talking to a group of people just like us, a church, Jesus followers. He says, Hey guys, and if you'll read this book, this story, this letter, you'll see that Paul really cares for these people. And he says, Hey guys, I love you so much. I want you to be like minded, I want you to think alike. Because he knows that if we're like minded, then we're unified. That we're gonna go at this city together. And we're gonna spread Jesusness all over this place. And because Jesus, that's His goal, that is His desire, the enemy has an anti or an opposite. And here's where this thing gets fun this morning. I believe there's two, there's many more, there's two that I just wanna to address today. And again, this is planned. This is prophetic. This is not something that is reaction to what I've seen on the news yesterday. But there are two unholy spirits, two major unholy spirits that Satan has launched, not only in this community for hundreds of years, but all over this planet. And the first unholy spirit that is wreaking havoc is the spirit of racism. It's a spirit of Racism. And I just want to say for the record, there is no way that you can love Jesus, claim to love Jesus, and hate anyone. You cannot hate me if you sit here under the banner of Jesus Christ. What's rampant in this area, though, is the whites hating the blacks. We hate each other because of the color of our skin. And what I've seen on the news are a lot of people, and they say they're under the guise, the banner of Christianity. There's no chance. Oh, what? The only possibility of that happening is if they are following a Jesus that is not depicted here in the gospel. You have to follow a man-made Jesus if you're going to try to massage hate anywhere into you following Jesus. And so we have to be careful that we're actually following the Jesus in the gospel and not the Jesus of our forefathers. See, you are no way in this world born a racist. There's no chance. It's not your fault. There may even be some in the hearing of this or a recording that you feel like that that is a part of your life. There's no chance that you were born this way and it was not your fault. But here's how it happens: is that there is a way of thinking that just gets passed down from a forefather to a great-great-grandfather to a great-grandfather to a grandfather to a father, and then, poof, I have adopted their way of thinking. Go back to the first three questions that I asked. Why do you think the way you do? Who are you allowing to give your space thought? Who are you allowing to influence you? What are you thinking? And why do you think the way you do? So here's the dream that I had just this week. And as side note, turn into acts sometime today. And you'll read about like, and I'm not an end times guy. I'm just not, I I probably can't even. Yeah, here it is. I turn right to it. Thank you, Lord. It's Acts 2, verse 17. It says in the last day, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. I've been dreaming a lot lately. So I guess that gives me the category of an old man. I'm not going to receive that. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. I've been dreaming a lot. I have a friend that lives in the neighborhood right over here behind us, and look, I don't see him here. His wife called me to his house yesterday, all because she wanted to tell me a dream and a vision that she had had. So if you're dreaming a lot in here, and and you're like waking up and you're remembering your dreams, and you just don't know what they mean, here's the first step. After the dream and you start to have it, sometimes it comes back in stages. Hey, God, I know that I have the mind of Christ. And like this morning early, I was dreaming. God, could you reveal to me like what that means? So I had a dream earlier this week and I was in this very room. I was seated somewhere right over there. I wasn't preaching. We were singing and I was seated right over there. And as I looked across this place, I saw people of all different ethnic backgrounds. Most of the people in here were white or black. I saw this place full of black and white people. And I know that was from the Lord because that is not normal for churches in the South. I'm going to go ahead and say, let's just, because we love, it is not normal to see some of my beautiful brothers and sisters that are in this place today. This is not normal. But this is not what even I saw. I saw tenfold of this. And I know it was from my father showing me a picture of our, listen to me, our future. Because I am tired of allowing other people to set my normal. I need supernatural to be my normal. And when I know, when I see heaven, there is going to be a day where there are going to be all kinds of races, all kinds of people. And so what God was doing was showing me a glimpse of heaven right here under the roof of Hope City. You see, that's not normal in our culture, but it's normal in heaven. All of us brothers and sisters coming together, that's normal for a Jesus-driven mindset. Look at what Paul says. To the spirit of unholy, the unholy spirit of racism, my friends, here, is, here it is. I even sound, here is the remedy. Here is the remedy. And it's in the second verse. Then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Verse three, do nothing out of selfish ambition, or vain conceit there is only one agenda there is only one purpose and it's not yours and it's not mine every single one of us in so long in the church even Christians under the guise of a Jesus relationship we have so many hidden agendas We have so many hidden agendas because I am wanting my way over your way. And if I want my way over your way, I'm basically saying I want my way over Jesus' way. I have to put myself. I have to put even what I've been taught. I have to challenge it. And if it is not lining up with the father in heaven, then I have to put it aside. And let me just say for a practical sense, this is just practical. Don't go back home. Don't go to your history. Don't go to your forefathers. Don't go to your grandparents and disrespect them. Can I tell you that as a follower of Jesus, I can disagree with you 180 degrees and I can still have a loving relationship with you. I can disagree with everything you have ever done, but because I have the mind of Christ and the Holy Spirit in me, I can still love you. You see, where that starts to flip and Satan energizes it is when I try to stand on God and Jesus's name and try to put you down to prove my point. How about this? We can use this across the board when it comes to homosexuality. We can use this across the board when it is all kinds. We're getting ready to get to the politics part here in a second. All across the board, you may be on the opposite hemisphere than I am, but guess what? Jesus lived for three and a half years with people on opposite playing fields than him, and guess what he did for them? He died for them. Listen, in this place, because in this movement of God, There is no room for hate. There is no room for dislike. We stand with Jesus and we go to work tomorrow with his mind and we go to work tomorrow with the power that raised him from the dead. My friends, that is what drives us. This is a choice you have to make. I mean, this is really like almost an introductory to Hope City. This is a choice that you have to make. Am I on board with this or not? Am I going to honor my earthly father to the point where I have to disagree with my heavenly father? It's a question that some of us have to ask. But Paul hits the nail on the head. He says, do nothing about yourself. Don't be selfish. He says, but in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Can you imagine the scene? Our God reigns over Charlottesville. Can you imagine the scene if every one of those people, whatever side of the line you fall on, can you imagine if every one of those people took that into practice? I consider you better than myself. How can I serve you? How can I serve you? How how can I make your day better? How can I serve you? How can I love you? I, I just don't see that. And there's another sermon, part B, C, D, E, and F, probably to this. What happens when I, they don't receive it? What happens when they want to hurt me? I get it. I get it. And again, if we're going to fall on the banner of Jesus Christ... He showed us what to do. And I know it's not a popular one, but just a real quick one. It says that we've got to learn to turn the other cheek. The second unholy spirit has been released over our community. And it is just raging as the political mindset. I'm going to go real quick on this one. I to mean, just go look at this one. Daniel chapter two, verse 21. Look it up later. It won't even be on the screen. But it says that God controls the course of the world's events. It says that he removes kings and sets up others. So you know what that tells me? Is that I'm not in control. If you've been watching any you know, of the news, in between... The racism that is being fueled by so many people who look like they just want chaos to control. If you've ever watched long enough from what's going on in Charlottesville this past week, you'll you'll get eventually over here to what's going on in North Korea. And that doesn't scare me. Not at all. Not at all. We should not be scared. Here's what we should do. Because I told you earlier that I am very careful on who I allow to influence my thinking. I want to read you a quote from someone who I am allowing to influence my thinking. And listen to what they said. And I quote. Take a moment to pray for prophetic dreams that will bring radical salvation to Kim Jong-un. I guess that's how you say it. He cannot escape The pursuit of the Holy Spirit. That's what our response is. Our response is to pray. In all of these situations, whether it is the the disgust of hatred or it is the threat of annihilation, Our response is to pray, and immediately some people probably think, well, that is such a passive answer. No, praying is the most powerful thing you and I will ever do. I will tell you that it is very scary when God starts answering your prayers. You want to talk about power? You hold the power that raised a dead man to life inside of you. It is the Holy Spirit inside of you that talks to God, the Creator, and Jesus Christ, our Savior, on our behalf. It is a scary thing when you start praying and the Father starts answering. And so someone who influences me says that we should pray not only for North Korea, but its leaders, that they would have a radical encounter with Jesus Christ that's a different way of thinking, right? But we should think different because we have the mind of Christ going on. Look at these, Philippians chapter two, verse four. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also the interests of others, verse five. Oh, verse five says, and I, I, sometimes don't like this passage. It says your attitude while you're shopping in Walmart. Your attitude I'm just letting that one sit there. I like that. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. <laughs> hey guys, it's a journey. And I'm not there yet. But I know because I share the mind with Jesus that that's possible. And as we start to think about changing future generations, can I just tell you something? That the sound of your voice in the days to come, the sound of your voice is going to continue to be muffled out. Did you hear me? I truly believe that God has this under control, and I also believe that there is a force that we have not even seen that is fighting everything that God wants to be done here on this planet. It's a whole nother message, whole nother teaching, but there is a spiritual battle that is raging. And I truly believe that our voices, the sound that comes out of them is going to be muffled out with much of the chaos. So Scott, what do we do? Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. And I can't wait for some of you to go home and read the rest of this chapter. But I will say this. The sounds of our voice pale in comparison to the vibrations that our actions are going to display. Our actions are going to be way more impactful and vibrant than anything a pastor could ever say because there's going to be people like you and you and all of you guys who walk out into this community and you act like You believe what I just said.